When it comes to leadership, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. Character is what eventually makes or breaks leaders. Yet, it's the most ignored and overlooked aspect of leadership development today. We have the perfect leadership role model, and that's Jesus. We simply need to follow his lead, allowing him to work in and through us. Welcome to Lead Like Jesus podcast. Leadership starts on the inside. That is Rich Cummins. I'm Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast, where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so glad that you're joining us again today. In today's episode, we're talking about stopping your past from controlling your future, keys to letting go and moving on, and grace and forgiveness. We'll also share a prayer to help you move forward. You know, I'm so excited again today. Every week, every episode, we're diving into some very relevant practical issues. And today, we have another amazing guest that, Rich, I'm so excited for you to be able to introduce to our kingdom leaders. Me too. We'd like to introduce you to Steve Arterburn. He's the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries and the host of the number one nationally syndicated Christian counseling talk show, New Life Live heard and watched by over 2 million people each week on nearly 200 radio stations nationwide and on XM and Sirius Satellite Radio, and now on NRB TV. Steve is also the host of New Life TV, a web-based video channel dedicated to transforming lives through God's truth. He's also the founder of Women of Faith conferences that were attended by over 5 million people in the U.S. And so we're excited to have him. Uh, Steve, we've known Steve for a number of years. Both Freddie and I have had a chance to, to uh, hear him live at uh, different uh, venues. I personally met Steve back uh, in 2016 for the first time when he was a fellow at the Townsend Institute, where Freddie and I both got our master's degree. So welcome to the show, Steve Arterburn. Thank you, guys. Uh, really great to be with you and uh, anybody that is uh, telling and, and using uh, leadership as a way to draw people in and then draw them to Jesus. Uh, I applaud what you're doing because, um, you know, you cannot be a great leader without Jesus. You know, I mean, people say, oh, what? there are a lot of great leaders that aren't Christian. But if you look at their personal spiritual life, uh, just like I was watching a video uh, by Steve Jobs uh, after he uh, contracted cancer. And, and, you know, you listen to that video, you don't think of him much uh, as a leader, nor proud of anything he ever did because of the things that he gave up for it. So I appreciate getting to be on with you guys. Hope we can encourage some people, especially guys that think they've blown it, um, you know, that they, they're disqualified from leadership um, I, I think um, it's my challenge. I'm going to convince you that uh, that is not true. You are not disqualified. I don't care what you've done. Uh, and I'll give you some examples that you couldn't do anything worse than this. And, and uh, God can still use, use you. Well, let's start right there. I think so many times people think that their past has disqualified them from moving forward in the things of God. And a lot of times when I talk to either athletes or even some students that I've worked with, we'll use the analogy or the picture or imagery of windshields versus rearview mirrors. 
where we're supposed to look through the windshield. If you're driving a car, that windshield is so big and so broad, and you're supposed to be looking at that for direction to move forward. And then you still have that rear view mirror, but the size of the rear view mirror pales in comparison to the size of that windshield. And so many people, in my opinion, are stuck solely dictating their lives based on the rear view mirror and what's happened in the past as opposed to the vision and the opportunity that they have in the future. So what makes it so hard for people to look forward as opposed to moving forward from the things that maybe have been mistakes in their past? Well, Satan makes you stupid. So uh, that, that's, that's the problem. You don't, you don't use God's truth and wisdom and to know that sometimes the, the biggest mistakes are the worst traumas are the things that God wants to use and qualify us for using. Let, let me give you an example here. Uh, my wife and I are working on two Bible projects. In fact, we just finished it. Three, 37,700 words of commentary. She wrote the one-year Bible for women, and I did the one-year Bible for men. And if you know the, the one-year Bible plan, there's an Old Testament passage, New Testament passage, a Psalm, and a proverb. Okay, so I'm working through this, and in February, I come to this, this one day, over in the Old Testament, God has appointed the chief priest as Aaron. I mean, that's God, you know, that's who, who he's got going for him, head of the temple, chief priest. And so I read about that, and he's worshiping a golden calf. God's own man is worshiping a golden calf that he collected the gold to form. It wasn't like he came upon a golden calf and said, wow, look at that, I think I'll worship it. He created the thing. And then I go over to the New Testament passage. There's Peter, same day, Peter's denying he ever met Jesus, head of the church, the rock, you know, all this. Okay, so could you fail any worse than God saying, uh, I want you to lead my people in worship and you lead them to a golden calf, or Peter, you know, you've worked hand in hand with Jesus, and you say, I never met the guy three times. So I don't know what you've done, but I got to tell you, it ain't that bad compared to that. So what did Jesus, what did God do? Did, did he say, okay, well, I gave you an opportunity, called you to these positions, you're done though, and I want you to suffer in shame and don't do anything else for the rest of your life. No. He restored them. He didn't take the calling away from their lives. They still the chief priest, still Peter, the rock the foundation of the church. So what have you done? Anything that bad? Let me tell you this. I, um, I paid for an abortion when I was in college. I didn't just pay for it. I pressured uh, my girlfriend to have an abortion. I killed my own child. I thought it was my job to show God that no one had ever felt uh, more guilt, shame, horror over such a horrible decision. And then I heard Chuck Swindoll say this one day, your past just ended one second ago. So why are you still living in it? God died so you wouldn't live in it. So I realized God didn't want me to live in shame the rest of my life. He wanted me to accept Jesus's sacrifice on the cross let that wipe out that sin, no longer be held against me, and get on with my life. And that's every man listening. I don't care what you've done. That's what God wants to do. I'll give you one more example. Chuck Colson 
commits a, a crime in, uh, during the Watergate era and goes to prison. He's a, he's a criminal. And God calls him to start a ministry called Prison Fellowship. And because he took the challenge, um, there are millions of prisoners today that heard Jesus today. They heard God's word today or accepted Christ. Now, Chuck Colson was a very powerful, famous guy. He could have gotten out of prison and just said, okay, I'm done with that. I'm just going to act like that never happened and move on with my life. But because he embraced it and used it, the rest is history. But it's a great, great history. So that's my answer to anybody thinking that they've gone too far, sinned too much. Hey, if that's you, congratulations. If you have repented, if you are seeking Christ, you are qualified uniquely. Now, I'm not encouraging people to go out and sin so they can be qualified. Because the less you sin, the less painful your life is. But there's nothing you have done. In fact, there's a little scripture that says you cannot, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. So, so let's let's break into there for a second, Steve. Okay. So let's bring it into our context and, and lead, lead like Jesus. So in our framework, we talk about pride and fear. Pride and fear stand in the way. They're the, they're the greatest deterrent, block, wall, whatever you will, from effective leadership. And when we say you're uh, leading like Jesus, you begin to exalt God only instead of edging God out. So we would say the ego, the ego in the bad way is awful. And it stands in the way of us leading to the highest level possible. Yeah. What do pride and fear play in the life of a person who is simply saying, you know what, that was good for Aaron. And that was good for Peter. And that was good for Chuck Colson, but not for me. Well, first of all, um, pride is a feeling, wouldn't you say? So proud of myself. I feel good about myself. Fear is a feeling. And the world, especially in this day of, of uh, gender and identity confusion and stuff, the world, uh, well, they don't believe in a theology. They believe in a theology. If you feel this way, that's truth for you. You got to go with it. So there's no ultimate truth by God. Well, look, men, if you're feeling pride or you're feeling fear, you got you to gotta do something other than that. And so here's my, uh, rather than this term servant leadership, which I don't really find that in scripture, here's what I find in scripture. Die to yourself servanthood. <laughs> oh, wow, that is, that's painful. Die to yourself servanthood. So if you're feeling pride, you better die to yourself, that pride, get rid of it. Don't, don't let that take over and serve where your talents and gifts, spiritual gifts, all gifts can be used the best, and you will become God's leader. If you are afraid, okay, you can be controlled by that, or you could die to yourself and say, I will not let this fear control me, and I'm going to do what God has equipped me to do, and if you do that, you're going to lead. The, the problem is we think that we in and of ourselves ought to have everything that it takes to do something, to change or to become a leader. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody needs two kinds of men, a mentor and you need a brother. And if you don't have a band of brothers that are helping you and supporting you, if you don't have a mentor that, that is building into your life, you know, the last book that Dave Stoop and I ever wrote 
well, is uh, you know this wonderful book, The Soul of a Leader. Well, Dave was about the 15 years older than me. He died on March the 10th before the book could come out. And Dave was my hero. He was my mentor. There was nothing that I ever could confess to him that he would shame me or reject me over. Everybody needs somebody like that. And if you don't have it, you need to begin the research to find that person. I'm looking for the next one. Rich, you might, Freddie, maybe you'd be that guy. I don't know. But um, you need somebody you can share everything. Somebody needs to know your story. And the only way you're going to do that, it's not stepping up like we tell men to do. It's humbling down. Humble down and ask somebody, hey, want to meet for coffee? And maybe that becomes a little, little beginning of a regular meeting or Bible study with another guy. Don't just, well, here's the thing. I've, I find that trying harder makes trying harder. I learned that from new age guys where you repeat the same thing and it, and it sounds like, anyway, but this one's true. <laughs> trying harder just makes trying harder. When you surrender, when you reach out, you say, I can't do it myself and reach out for other people. To me, that's the beginning of a path that's going to lead to you being a godly leader the way God wants you to be. So we talk, we talk about supportive relationships as being a being habit, a being habit of living, loving, and leading like Jesus. And so I love that you're discussing that right now. And let's take it even a little bit further. So I'm sitting before you, we're accountability partners, or you're a mentor to me. And I'm telling you, I just can't get past this thing from the past. It's just, I can't move forward. I'm stuck. What do you say to me? I say to you that a lot of times in Christian circles, we say things like, oh, forgive yourself. And that's really tough to forgive yourself. You say, yeah, that's, that's my problem. I'm stuck here. I can't get over this thing. So here's how you do it. First of all, you need to see it uh, as it really is. You know, I used to tell people that I paid for uh, an abortion until the girlfriend that I was with heard me years later say that. And she called me up and said, you're telling people you paid for the abortion. I said, yeah, I, I was responsible. She goes, why don't you tell them the truth? You pressured me to have the abortion. You told me I would not be there for, for me or for our baby. And so I felt like I had no choice, she said. You didn't just pay, buddy. You pressured and pushed, and I thought I had no other choice. Okay, so that was part of the problem of getting over it. I hadn't really seen it the way it really was. So you need to take some time and look at what this thing really is. Secondly, and this is the big one, you need to grieve what you lost when you made that choice or someone hurt, whatever. It's, that's the part that we miss in the forgiving process. I need to grieve over what I did to myself or to someone else. And, you know, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with the bitterest of grief. So that's a biblical concept. So you grieve it, and that's really separating from what you lost, then maybe I can come to this place of acceptance. That's what I did. Uh, that's what I lost. And uh, there's a wonderful quote from a guy named Bill Wilson that says, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Now, try to, try to make that statement wrong in any situation. I have, but man, is it ever true? Acceptance. That's what we have to do. We have to grieve, accept, and then embrace, okay, this is me. This is what I did. I embrace that. God is not holding it against me. And once I have 
breathed. Once I have accepted and embraced now, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be able to forgive myself, but I got to go through that process first. In fact, we developed a, a thing with 12 steps to grieve just so you could get there because it's there's so many ungrieved losses in the Christian community. So if you're having a hard time uh, getting over something, then you can do that by, by grieving. But let me tell you something. I believe in counseling, and I go see a counselor every week. People say you should go twice. Then you might get closer to what God wants you to be. But once is, uh, is all I'm doing. But, you know, that guy, talk about confronting me. I mean, the other day I was talking about how my wife ruined this bike ride with the kids. There were five of us. She was so interested in, you know, don't get out in the street and all this and don't yell at people. Don't, don't. And it just ruined it. And my counselor said to me, yeah, I, I hear you saying that about your wife, but how did you ruin the bike ride? Because that's all you can do. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, what did you do? Did you tell the kids, hey, don't get out in the street before the bike ride because your mom's really freaked out when you do that? Did you, did you maybe talk to her before the bike ride and say, hey, let's have a great bike ride and then if there are any problems, we can deal with it after, but let's create the great me memory. And when it all happened, did you sit there and just let it happen? How did you, you ruin that bike ride? Man, talk about confrontation. And so I don't go to him anymore. No, I, I actually do. But, but, but see, he was telling me what I needed to hear. And it wasn't fun, but it was what I needed to hear. So you got to have somebody like that in your life. Well, this is something that I think is relevant for all of us, right? That all of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things that we're not proud of. And many times we're scared or for whatever reason, we don't want to look in the mirror. We want to hide that thing away in the closet, tuck it away, lock the key and act like it never happened. When God is like, no, I still need to heal you from that. And I'm reminded of, of a couple of things I want us to sort of wrap this episode with and talking about grace and forgiveness. You know, when you think about Paul, you know, Paul had, was is a perfect illustration of everything you're talking about. You know, Paul was literally going and finding Christians to arrest and or kill him, them. You know, he would stand there consenting unto Stephen's death. He, if anyone was, was worthy of not being forgiven, it was Paul, even to the point where Ananias, when God tells Ananias, hey, I want you to go and pray so he can recover his sight. He's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you know who this guy is? I don't know if this is a safe, uh, safe thing because do you know what he's doing to us? You know, but... He grew in the place of understanding God's grace and receiving forgiveness to walk into what God had for him and got to the point of, to what you talked about, dying to yourself and realizing that if I'm alive, then that means that my life is for someone else. He, he even, Paul ended up just basically saying, you know what, I'd rather be with Christ <laughs> to live, right? I'd rather be gone and be with Christ, but if I'm still alive, then that means that I have an assignment for you. So what can you tell our kingdom leaders who are here in their processing or may not quite understand the depth of God's grace, his unmerited favor towards them, and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ? Well, uh, I want to do that. Uh, first, I want to mention that uh, Paul still sinned after all that, you know, uh, he was still imperfect, and that didn't fix him. 
he was still a real man. And I, I was able to stand in the arena and preach where he did in Ephesus. And it was just such an amazing experience. But I had to remind myself, he, he wasn't Jesus. He still had problems. He still dealt uh, on a day-to-day -day basis with the reality of life. But here's, here's what I would say uh, to somebody. Look, there are a lot of parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. But here's something that is not hard to understand. It's one of the most fabulous truths from Scripture. God is rich in mercy. I mean, that is a reality. Some people think, oh, God's against me. God hates me. God is rich in mercy. So rich in mercy, he sent his son to die for you. And so you can either accept that grace or you can try to earn some kind of favor or something that, that just you're never going to be good enough for. But because God is rich in mercy, we all can experience that grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't uh, achieve it. It's there for you to accept it or you don't. And I'll tell you what, an amazing experience when I was finally able to accept God's grace for the person that I had been and continue to accept God's grace when I mess up, confess it, repent from it. Uh, there, there, it's a horrible life if you do not live in the rich mercy of God. You know, as we wrap today, I'm, I'm getting ready to ask Rich to pray for his kingdom leaders, especially for uh, those of us that are all inspired and desire to move forward, to stop letting our past uh, constrain them and, and keep them in bondage, but to start moving forward into what God's called you to be. But I'm reminded of what one of my coaches told me about the recruiting process. I played in the NFL and was fortunate to play in college at Penn State. And one of the coaches told me this. He said, you know, when we recruit you, we're not calling you based upon who you are or what you've done solely based on what you've done in high school. I'm recruiting you because of what I see your potential to be in your future. That if you get a part of our program, if you buy into our system, if, you, if you're teachable and you put in the work, I see this potential of greatness in you. So I'm calling you right now, not just because of what I may have seen today, but because of what I see in your future. And I believe that, that that's what God's telling us today, that mm -hmm. his call to you right now is not because of what he sees in your past, but because of what he sees in your future. And so receive that. Rich, would you mind praying for our kingdom leaders today to walk in the freedom and the liberty that God's grace and mercy gives us? Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, God of glory, you truly extend grace to all. And we know that you sent your son to die on that rugged cross just to deliver us from our sins. But oftentimes we get in our own way, whether it be pride or fear, they well up inside of us. And we can't just say, Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. And, and I'm, I'm ready to make that change. Well, I pray right now, Lord God, that anybody out there listening that's a part of the lead like Jesus family, that they would receive that grace even now as we speak. And then they would take it the next step further and extend that grace to someone else. We know that those are really the, the doing habits that we call in lead like Jesus, Lord. And and may we walk in, in your footprints. May, may we walk after you, Lord God. Please give us what we need and help us to lead others the way your son Jesus led on earth. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Steve, thank you so much. Such 
valuable wisdom and insight. I know all the kingdom leaders listening and watching right now were blessed by you. I can't wait to even hear more in the future. And for well, those- Thank you. And pick up a copy of this. It's just out, The Soul of a Hero. It's, it's probably the best book Dave and I wrote together. It took us five years to do it. Again, thank you again for watching. And don't forget, leadership starts on the inside. We'll see you next time.